the word with darshan has several meanings. One is to see, one is to hear, and one is one meaning is a, a, like a, a system of philosophical thought. So we're going to read. Can I get a little table? Oh yeah. We're going to read a verse from Srimad uh, Bhagavatam. The uh, basic text, or the essence of Vedic knowledge, is contained in uh, the Bhagavad Gita. And the Bhagavad Gita is the uh, literal record of God's spoken words. Bhagavan means God, and Bhagavad means of God, and Gita means song. So Bhagavad Gita could be translated the song of God. Because when God speaks, he doesn't speak ordinary prose like we do, but he's, he speaks poetry. His, his, his speech is music, song. And the, you could say, sequel to the Bhagavad Gita or further expansion of the basic knowledge given in the Bhagavad Gita is uh, Srimad Bhagavatam. The Bhagavad Gita is 700 verses or shlokas. Srimad Bhagavatam is 18,000. This is just one volume out of many. So we'll read one verse from Srimad Bhagavatam. But all of these uh, sacred texts have uh, commentaries written by self-realized souls. And to understand the verses or, or the shlokas, one needs the uh, commentary, one needs the purport to be explained. So there's a lot in, in the purports. Uh, we are uh, followers of A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada, it's a small picture. And um, so he has written purports to these books. And in his purports, which is another picture of him, 
in his purports, he includes uh, commentaries of other authorities. And that is true of this uh, purport that we will read this evening. So we are reading from Srimad Bhagavatam, Canto 2, which is called Pure Devotional Service. Now, the, the Bhagavad Gita is the, the basic textbook of yoga, and it describes different types of yoga. Karma Yoga, Gyana Yoga, Astanga Yoga, and Bhakti Yoga. And in the Bhagavad Gita, Lord Krishna says that of, of, of all, Yoginam Apisarvesham, of, of all types of yogis, Madgatain Antaratmana, Shraddhavan Bhajate Yoma, Same which means uh, <clears throat> of all kinds of yogis one who worships me, that means Krishna, Supreme Personality of Godhead, with love and devotion is, is the highest of all. So bhakti yoga is, yeah, it's, it's it's the easiest in the sense it's the most natural and it and it brings the, the greatest result because only by bhakti yoga uh, can one realize God fully. So this word, devotional service, or phrase devotional service is a an English rendering of bhakti yoga. So, so this chapter, Srimad Bhagavatam Kanto 2, chapter 3, is called Pure Devotional Service. Uh, yeah, so we'll read text 23. Bhagavad Gita and Srimad Bhagavatam are in Sanskrit originally. And Sanskrit is considered the first language, the original language. So, please repeat after me. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Word means in an interactive way. 
Jivanchavo Bhagavatangri Renum Naja to Markyo Vila Betayastu Sri Vishnu Padya Manujastu Lasya Svasanchavoyastuna Veda Gandam Jivanchavo Bhagavatangri Renum Najatu Martyo Bilabeta Yastu Sri Vishnu Padya Manujastu Lasya Svasanchavoyas Tunaveda Gandam So please repeat. Jivan Jivan while living. While living. Shava Shava a dead body. A dead body. Bhagavat Angri Renum. Bhagavat Angri Renum. The dust of the feet of a pure devotee. The dust of the feet of a pure devotee. Na. Na. Never. Never. Jatu. Jatu. At any time. At any time. Martya. Martya. Mortal. Mortal. Abhilabheta, Abhilabheta, particularly received, particularly received, ya, ya, a person, a person, to, to, but, but, Shri, Shri, with opulence, with opulence, Vishnu Padya, Vishnu Padya. Of the lotus feet of Vishnu. Of the lotus feet of Vishnu. Manuja. Manuja. A descendant of Manu. A descendant of Manu. A man. A man. Or a human being. To Lasya. To Lasya. Leaves of the Tulsi tree. Leaves of the Tulsi tree. Shvasan, Shvasan, while breathing, while breathing, Shava, Shava, still a dead body, still a dead body. Ya, Ya, who, who, to, to, but, but, Naveda, Naveda, never experienced, never experienced. Gandam, Gandam, the aroma, the aroma. Translation: The person who has not at any time received the dust of the feet of the Lord's pure devotee upon his head is certainly a dead body. And the person who has never experienced the aroma of the Tulsi leaves from the lotus feet of the Lord is also a dead body, although breathing. Please repeat. The person who has not 
at any time. At any time. Receive the dust of the feet. Receive the dust of the feet. Of the Lord's pure devotee. Of the Lord's pure devotee. Upon his head. Upon his head. Is certainly a dead body. Is certainly a dead body. And the person who has never experienced. And the person who has never experienced. The aroma of the Tulsi leaves. The aroma of the Tulsi leaves. From the lotus feet of the Lord. From the lotus feet of the Lord. Is also a dead body. Is also a dead body. Although breathing. Although breathing. Purport by Srila Prabhupada. According to Srila Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur, the breathing dead body is a ghost. When a man dies, he is called dead. But when he again appears in a subtle form, not visible to our present vision, and yet acts, such a dead body is called a ghost. The Bhagavad Gita explains that we, the living being, uh, are, are not the body, but we are the Atma or Jivatma or soul within the body. Now, the soul in conditioned life is covered by a gross body and a subtle body. Lord Krishna explains that he has eight material energies or elements, five gross and three subtle. So the five gross elements, earth, water, fire, air, and ether, or, you know, we might say solids, liquids, gases. Those are the gross elements. And mind, intelligence, and false ego are the subtle elements. So the pure soul is covered by a gross body, what we see in front of us, and a subtle body. Uh, we can't see the mind, we can't see the intelligence, we can't see the ego, but we know they're there, we experience them. So at the time of death, the soul leaves behind the gross body that we know. But the, the subtle body stays with the soul and carries the soul into its next body. Uh, this is called transmigration of the soul because the, the, the soul is eternal, 
that the body is not, the soul is not slain when the body is slain. And what kind of body we, the soul gets after leaving the present body will depend on, on the soul's activities during life and upon its thoughts at the time of death. So how we conduct our lives is very important, not only in terms of our present life, but even in terms of our future life or lives. Now, there are 8,400,000 species of life, and when the soul leaves the body, it will uh, enter into one of those species, again, according to its activities in life and its consciousness at death. And the Lord, Krishna is very kind, basically gives the living entity uh, a body that's suitable for the desires of the living entity uh, to try to enjoy. Now, there is a rare, well, relatively rare situation in which the living entity upon leaving the body does not get a gross body, but that, that, that soul continues to exist in only a subtle body. And that is, is called a ghost. Now, how does one become a ghost? Of course, I should add that we don't want to become ghosts. <laughs> because ghosts live very tortured existences. There was a movie, maybe 1984. Yeah, I didn't see it, but it, some devotees said that they thought that the, that the author of the film had read Srimad Bhagavatam because it quite accurately depicted the life of a ghost. So a ghost, so, okay, so how does one become a ghost? The one common way, if you, if you can say that, is if someone commits suicide. Uh, suicide is a uh, it's a greatly sinful act. By sin, by sin we mean against the laws of God or the laws of nature. But in effect, a person who commits suicide is saying that he doesn't want a gross body. But why does a person commit suicide? Usually because he or she is frustrated you know, material desires are unfulfilled and therefore the person's very disappointed. 
and, and, and frustrated, so they take their own life. So they have material desires, which led to their, you know, the frustration of which led to their suicide. But now they don't have a gross physical body through which to fulfill those desires. So those living entities try to gain possession of someone else's body so that they can fulfill their gross material desires through another person's body or senses. Eventually I did see the movie on an airplane <laughs> and um, I don't remember all of it, but I do remember there's one scene where the ghost is on a, a railway platform and he wants to, like he has a desire to smoke a cigarette and there's like a, a, a vending machine that's selling cigarettes and he's like, he's like banging the machine but he can't really get the cigarettes because he's, he's a ghost and he doesn't have any money. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so so that's one way. Probably the most frequent is is suicide. Another way, and this is uh, this is the reason why many castles are reputed to be haunted. Another way is if someone lives, you know, in a castle or palace. They're very attached to that building. And at the time of death, the person is thinking of that castle. So castles are not one of the forms of life. I mean, ordinarily what you think of at the time of death, that's the type of body you get. You can't get the body of a castle. But you can take birth as a ghost in the castle. And these, so ghosts, we already now understand, a ghost is, is like a, a, a soul that has a subtle body, but no gross body. And it, it has material desires. And ghosts, uh, as Prabhupada said, they, they, they create a fearful situation for others because they want to gain possession of their bodies so they can, uh, you know, fulfill their material desires through the bodies of, of, of the person they possess. Um, but one can be freed from attacks of ghosts by by chanting the holy names of of the divine Hare Krishna. I mean, it's happened sometimes. I you can sort of feel when you're being attacked, or you just chant this chant, and then they, they they let go of you. They they go away. 
So, devotees have used this uh, to their advantage because there are, you know, sometimes properties, like good properties, big properties, uh, are up for sale, but they're known to be reputed to be haunted. So the, 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 the price is lower than it should be. So devotees have bought properties that way for a good price, and they do chanting, and the ghosts go away, they can make it a, a temple. Yeah. <laughs> Maharaj, was Detroit one of those examples? The temple of Detroit? I heard something about that. <laughs> I'm not completely sure, but it's very possible. The fisherman. Okay, so now we'll get back to this very deep purport. So, Ghosts are always very bad elements, always creating a fearful situation for others. Similarly, the ghost-like non-devotees, who have no respect for the pure devotees, nor for the Vishnu deities in the temples, create a fearful situation for the devotees at all times. The Lord never accepts any offering by such impure ghosts. So another um, feature of being haunted by a ghost is that you think things that you would not ordinarily think in your normal consciousness. Like once uh, one of Srila Prabhupada's disciples mentioned that, that sometimes thoughts go through his mind that are repugnant and that, you know, he wouldn't, he would never think ordinarily. And Prabhupada said it could be like a ghost, the influence of a ghost. But here, the, the, the purport is making another point, which is that it's comparing ghosts, or, or it's comparing people who have no respect or appreciation for devotees or for God uh, to ghosts. And it is, it's, it, 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 it's a proper uh, comparison. Uh, there, there, there's a very nice verse in uh, in another sacred text called Bhaktura Samrita Sindhu that says Bhukti Mukti Spriha Yavad. So Bhukti is the is the desire for material enjoyment, and Mukti is the desire for spiritual emancipation by merging and becoming one with God's light. And these two desires in Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu are compared 
to ghosts because those desires are foreign to us in our original consciousness which is God consciousness or Krishna consciousness because in our original consciousness we want to serve God so the desire for bhukti or mukti are are, are foreign to us they're not our real they're not the real desires of the soul and so they're so someone who is beset by those desires is compared to someone who's haunted by a ghost. <coughs> Learn enough about ghosts. <laughs> they also say if you talk too much about ghosts at night before you go to sleep, you, you encourage them to come, so we don't want to go too <laughs> 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 this direction. <laughs> I think Maharaj might want to add that the Sanskrit word for ghost is Bhuta. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Actually, there, you know, the Vedic science is so perfect and complete and exact. There are actually different kinds of ghosts. And they, they have different names. It's all very scientifically explained. All right. So now we're, we're going beyond the ghosts. We're, going, we're coming to the next point. There is a common saying. Well, just, relate, just related to the verse so we can keep track of where we are. So the person who has not at any time received the dust of the feet of the Lord's pure devotee upon his head is certainly a dead body. And the person who has never experienced the aroma of the tosi leaves from the lotus feet of the Lord is also a dead body, although breathing. So, how do we so that the, the point, the dust of the feet of the Lord's pure devotee, this is what we're coming to. Of course, that can be taken literally, but um, generally it's taken to mean to receive the, you know, the mercy of the pure devotee in the form of the instructions of the pure devotee. So there is a common saying that one should first love the dog of the beloved before one shows any loving sentiments for the beloved. The stage of pure devotion is attained by sincerely serving a pure devotee of the Lord. The first condition of devotional service to the Lord is therefore to be a servant of a pure devotee. And this condition is fulfilled by the statement reception of the dust of the lotus feet of a pure devotee who has also served another pure devotee. That is the way of pure disciplic succession. 
or devotional parampara. So Srila Prabhupada says that the first condition is to be a servant of a pure devotee. So that's explained. There, there's a text that, which I mentioned in passing, Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, which is the complete science of Bhakti Yoga. And uh, there are 64 items of, of devotional service. And the first is Ado Guru Padashraya, to, to, to accept the shelter of a spiritual master. But that spiritual master, to be a spiritual master, must have also uh, served his spiritual master, and his spiritual master in turn served his spiritual master. And the original spiritual master is Krishna, Supreme Personality of Godhead. So in this book, the Bhagavad Gita, as it is, because in the Bhagavad Gita, Krishna says, evam parampara praptam, one, one must receive this knowledge through parampara. Parampara means literally one after the other, parampara, one after the other. And, the, and the book lists the, the parampara, and the, the original guru is is God or Krishna it has to be. And all the other gurus, they receive knowledge from Krishna and they repeat, you know, through their guru and then they repeat that same uh, knowledge. So here's the list of that unbroken chain. The disciplic succession. Evam parampara praptam imam radarsha yogidu. Bhagavad Gita 4.2. The Bhagavad Gita is received through the disciplic succession. And then here's the list. One, Krishna. Two, Brahma. Three, Narada. Four, Vyas. Five, Madhva. Then there's a number of names, and then we come to sort of our immediate, not immediate, but uh, very important predecessors. 20, Madhavendra Puri, 21, Ishwara Puri, 22, Lord Chaitanya, 23, Rupa Goswami, who wrote that Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, and then even more, and then, yeah, Vishwanath Chakrabarti Thakur, and then eventually uh, our teacher, Srila Prabhupada's guru, and then Srila Prabhupada, and then we're following in that line. So that is the way of pure disciplic succession, or devotional parampara. So this is very important. And in fact, this this idea of bowing down, you know, can be quite repugnant to some people. There was a, a, at least a friend of the devotees, 
there might have been some sort of a devotee, but at least a friend of the devotee named Boy George, who was a singer. <laughs> so, yeah, so he went to Vrindavan, the holy place associated with Krishna. And yeah, he, he had seen in all of our temples that the devotees bowed down, but he was, he was surprised that some people weren't bowing down. So he wrote that song, Bow Down Mister, which, you know, we can ask. We can ask Nandini to sing it. But anyway, that's the idea. You don't need to hear the song. But the song was Bow Down Mister. And uh, there was a, 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 some, you know, in, in the previous age, there was a young devotee named Prahlad and his father. It happened like that. Prahlad was a devotee and his father was an atheist who was against Prahlad's devotion. And so the father, who was named Hiranyakashipu, had raised the child to be a materialist like himself. And one day when the boy was five years old, you know, the father asked, you know, what, what's the best thing that you learned in school? Like we, you know, we see a child, you know, what did you learn in school today? Or, so, Prahlad replied, uh, Shravanam, Kirtanam, Vishnu, Smaranam, Padasevanam, Archanam, Vandanam, Dasyam, Sakyam, Atmani, Vedanam. These are the nine processes of Bhakti Yoga. And the, the father, you know, he became in, infuriated that this boy was speaking about devotional service because he was an atheist. Not just an atheist, but uh, antagonistic to devotion and devotees and Vishnu. So he called the boy's teachers. He had, he had like, yeah, so he called the boy's teachers, and he said, uh, "You know, where where did this where did my son learn this from? You know, you're." You're, you're teaching him wrongly. He said, no, no, we, are, we, 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 have, we haven't taught him this. So then the father said, well, then you're, you're allowing devotees to infiltrate the school in disguise. They said, no, no, we're, we, we have not allowed any devotees in the school. So they said, well, then where did he get this from? And they said, well, we don't know. Why don't you ask him? So then the, the father did ask Prahlad. And Prahlad replied, Matir ne Krishne parato svatova. One cannot become Krishna conscious by one's own efforts. 
One cannot become Krishna conscious by the efforts of others. And one cannot become Krishna conscious by the combined efforts of oneself and others. That seems to eliminate all logical <laughs> possibilities. So how does one how does one become Krishna conscious? Very important question. And then Prahlad said, Pada Rajo Bishekam. That, yeah, Matirna Krishna Pratosada, that one cannot become Krishna conscious by any of these means. One can become Krishna conscious only if he accepts the dust of the lotus feet of, of a pure devotee. And in effect, he was telling his father that you don't have to worry about becoming Krishna conscious because you're too proud. You'll you never bow down to the feet of a pure devotee, so you don't need to worry about becoming Krishna conscious. So it's that same point. Prahlad uses the phrase pada rajo bishekam. Pada means feet, raja means dust, and abhishek means like a bathing. So, in other words, you have to be humble. You can't progress if you're not humble. So, so just repeat. The first condition of devotional service to the Lord is therefore to be a servant of a pure devotee. And this condition is fulfilled by the statement reception of the dust of the lotus feet of a pure devotee who has also served another pure devotee. That is the way of pure disciplic succession or devotional parampara. Maharaj Rahugana, the king, inquired from the great saint Jad Bharat as to how he had attained such a liberated stage of Paramahamsa. And in answer, the great saint replied as follows, Srimad Bhagavatam 5.12.12 Rahuganatapasanayati Nachejaya nirvapanad grahadva Nachandasanai vajalagni suryaya O King Rahugana, the perfect stage of devotional service or the Paramahansa stage of life cannot be attained unless one is blessed by the dust of the feet of great devotees. And that's in italics, Prabhupada. It is never attained by tapasya, austerity, the Vedic worshipping process, acceptance of the renounced order of life, the discharge of the duties of household life, the chanting of the Vedic hymns, or the performance of penances in the hot sun, within cold water, or before blazing fire. In other words, Lord Sri Krishna 
is the property of his pure, unconditional devotees. And as such, only the devotees can deliver Krishna to another devotee. Krishna is never obtainable directly. So this principle was illustrated by Srila Prabhupada, our spiritual master, very vividly uh, in, in an exchange he had with a three-year-old girl. The background is well, I, I had uh, I had invited Srila Prabhupada to to Madras. I was the first uh, of his disciples to go to Madras, and uh, towards the end, I arranged a uh, for him to give a talk in quite a big grounds and the. The uh, invitees were basically uh, high court judges and and uh, lawyers, and you know I had become quite close to the chief justice of of, of the Supreme Court of the state, of, and um, so afterwards he invited Srila Prabhupada to his home, and he. He liked, so Srila Prabhupada's secretary was named Shamsundra. He and his wife Malati had a daughter named Saraswati. And she was about three years old at the time. Three or four. Three. And the, the, um, so the, 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 the chief justice, he really, really liked Saraswati. And so he, he, he gave her a, 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 like a little silver, silver statue of Krishna. And um, so she, but it was, you know, her parents thought it's like, it's like, it's like too valuable. She won't know what to do with it. She, you know, she won't be able to handle it properly. So anyway, they gave it to to Krishna. I mean, they gave the Krishna the Prabhupada. Now, in his talk uh, to the to the judges and and attorneys, Srila Prabhupada had spoken about the, the, the six Goswamis who were uh, all very highly placed in society. But they left their positions to join Lord Chaitanya, Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And Srila Prabhupada, you know, he was very bold and fearless and convinced, and he, he said they should just give up their high positions and join the mission of, of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu as manifest in, in the Krishna consciousness movement. Uh, and these six Goswamis were known to, for, for their worship of Krishna in the mood of separation. 
This is a very important point. Uh, devotees, you know, true devotees, they'll never say, I saw Krishna, or, you know, I saw Radha and Krishna again. But their Buddhas always, you know, hey Radhe, Vrajadevi, K, Chalalite, hey Nanda, Sunokuta, hey Radhe, O Radharani, uh, Queen of Vrindavan, O Krishna, where are you? Are you on the banks of the Jumuna River? Are, are you at Govardhan Hill? Where are you? So the, the, the Goswamis, they would roam all over Vrindavan in that with looking for Radha and Krishna. So Srila Prabhupada took this uh, little deity of Krishna. First he held it in front of Saraswati's eyes, you know, to capture her attention. And then, like, he quickly put the Krishna behind his back. And uh, then he said, you know, where's Krishna? And like, she became very, like, panicked, very anxious. Like, where is Krishna? Just exactly the mood of the Goswamis. Where is Krishna? Where is Krishna? Where is Krishna? And so she's like looking all over the room, looking at the faces of the devotees. And then, you know, maybe she got a little distracted. She was only three years old. And then again, she probably said, Saraswati, where is Krishna? And again, that anxiety, where is Krishna? Where is Krishna? Where is Krishna? And then her mother, Malati, said, Saraswati, who has Krishna? And that caused an awakening in her consciousness, and her eyes opened up and her face lit up, and she said, Prabhupada has Krishna. <laughs> and then she went, she sort of ran up to Prabhupada, and then Prabhupada took out Krishna. So, coming back to what I just read, Lord Sri Krishna is the property of his pure, unconditional devotees, and only the devotees can deliver Krishna to another devotee. Krishna is never obtainable directly. Lord Chaitanya therefore designated himself as Gopi Bhartu Padakamalayor Dasa Das Anandasa, or the most obedient servant of the servants of the servants of the Lord, who maintains the Gopi damsels at Vrindavan. A pure devotee therefore never approaches the Lord directly but tries to please the servant of the Lord's servants. And thus the Lord becomes pleased. And only then can the devotee relish the taste of the tulsi leaves stuck to his lotus feet. Yeah, the highest, Srila Prabhupada said in a way, the highest worship of Krishna is to you worship him with uh, tulsi leaves on his feet. You see in our temple, if you look, 
In the Brahma Samhita, it is said that the Lord is never to be found by becoming a great scholar of the Vedic literature, but he is very easily approachable through his pure devotee. The Brahma Samhita, Vedeshu Durlabham. Durlab means very difficult to achieve. Vedeshu, through the study of the Vedas, Vedeshu Durlabham. Uh, Adurlabham, but it, not difficult easy uh, Atma Bhakta through his devotees. In Vrindavan, all the pure devotees pray for the mercy of Srimati Radharani, the pleasure potency of Lord Krishna. So, here, you can see that's Krishna by his side is Radharani. Anyway. So in Vrindavan, all the pure devotees pray for the mercy of Srimati Radharani, the pleasure potency of Lord Krishna. In fact, when we chant Hare Krishna, the Hare is, is Radharani. We're chanting to both Krishna and Radharani. And that is the complete conception of God, both male and female, together. Srimati Radharani is a tender-hearted feminine counterpart of the Supreme Whole, resembling the perfectional stage of the worldly feminine nature. Yeah, in... Um, and the Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu again by Rupa Goswami. He mentions, uh, as Srila Prabhupada explains in his trans summary study called The Nectar of Devotion, that uh, one of Krishna's qualities is compassionate, and his compassionate nature is, because they're represented by or embodied in Srimati Radharani. It's very difficult to approach Krishna because he's the Supreme Lord, but, but we approach him through his compassionate nature, which is uh, represented by Srimati Radharani and all the devotees in all. Therefore, the mercy of Radharani is available very readily to the sincere devotees. And once she recommends such a devotee to Lord Krishna, the Lord at once accepts the devotee's admittance into his association. The conclusion is, therefore, that one should be more serious about seeking the mercy of the devotee than that of the Lord directly. And by one's doing so, by the goodwill of the devotee, the natural attraction for the service of the Lord will be revived. So, um, these are you know, quite 
confidential topics or uh, advanced topics, but they, but the yeah, but the essence is that uh, that we can approach the Lord through His devotees, through disciplic succession, and the topmost of his devotees, the greatest of his lovers is is uh, Shamati Radharani. Uh, in conclusion, I'll quote one verse from the Bhagavad Gita. Mahat, uh, Mahatmanas to Mampartha diving Prakritiashrita. So Mahatmas, great souls, Mahatmanas to Mampartha diving prakriti ashrita they have taken shelter of diva prakriti they've taken shelter of the divine energy and that divine energy is Srimati and so all of the mahatmas all of the gurus and the parampara ultimately have taken shelter of Srimati Radharani through Parampara and and it's due to her I mean she's the Ladini Shakti that means she's the energy of the Lord that gives pleasure she actually gives pleasure to Krishna and the pleasure that the devotees experience in bhakti yoga that also uh, ultimately comes from her so she's ever present just like krishna is always present so Mahirani is ever present here right now and um yeah so we want her favor and put Again, even with her, we don't approach her directly for her favor, but we approach her through her servants, servants, servants. And by chanting the holy names, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. Hare Hare. Are there any questions or comments? Yes, sir, what is your name? Larry. Larry! So, the ghosts you were speaking about, okay, are they ever released from that state? Yes. That is a very good, compassionate <coughs> question. Yes, they can be released by hearing the holy name. Although I mentioned it in the context of, of like getting rid of them, but actually they can be released by, by hearing the holy name. Yeah, that's a very good question. Yes, Radharani Dasi. <laughs> How does one know um whether they are ready to approach a guru or spiritual master? Well, 
everyone should. It's the Vedic injunction, Tadvigyanartham Sadhurum Evahikachet. Very emphatic. Tadvigyanartham, to uh, <coughs> understand this science, Tadvigyanartham, Saguru, Eva Bhikachet, one must approach a guru. And there's another verse um, that says uh, that when one is interested in the ultimate benefit of life, one should approach a guru. And the word for ultimate benefit is shreyas. There's uh, two words in Sanskrit, shreyas and prayas. Prayas means immediate gratification and shreyas means ultimate benefit. Like a child just wants to play as a prayas. He just wants to play and have fun and doesn't want to go to school. But the parents know that if the child doesn't go to school and get an education, he or she won't be prepared for life. So the parent compels the child to have to go to school. So, uh, so when one is, you know, interested in that ultimate benefit, one should. Uh, and you know as soon as one wakes up you know from one's slumber from one's dreamlike existence one should approach a guru now guru guru means teacher literally guru means teacher so Every Vaishnava is a guru. Every, so, um, I, this is a beginning uh, for everyone that's here. At least it's a beginning uh, to, in, in getting knowledge that will, um, you know, free one from the repetition of birth, death, old age, and disease. Uh, Samsara chakra, free, free one, so that one can ultimately live one's eternal life, full of bliss and knowledge. Yes, Nandi? So, um, in your class, you mentioned Prahlad Maharaj saying, uh, you quoted the Sanskrit verse, how you, you can't get it yourself. You can't get it from others. You can only get uh, bhakti or devotion through the lotus feet of the pure devotee. So there's a conception uh, in Christian, there's conflicting ideas of works and mercy. And so uh, we, are, we are trained, we are taught by the guru by the spiritual master when he received Harinam initiation to chant 16 rounds every day. But for austerity, isn't it? It is to, to pass. And, but that, so that's works. If we don't work, we mm -hmm. don't get any results. But it's ultimately coming from the mercy. Isn't that the correct understanding? 
Yeah, it's a combination of our efforts and Krishna's mercy. Uh, both must be there. But first comes the mercy, isn't it? Well, um, yes. But Prabhupada said first deserve, then desire. Or first, right? First desire, then deserve, or first, yeah. No, first deserve, then desire. then desire. Right. Yeah, in so. other words. But the, the, I mean, mercy comes first in the sense that by the mercy of some devotee, you got a book. Mm-hmm. You came to the temple. You, you, you had prasad. On that, so the initial contact is the result of some devotee's mercy. But then after you get that mercy, you have to, um, you know, take up the instructions, or at least come back for more. Mm-hmm. And um, and yeah, it it adds up. Yeah, all the efforts add up and all the mercy add up. Yes, Kartikeya. Uh, <clears throat> it is stated that uh, somebody that is approaching devotional service or chanting Hare Krishna is because they have done a pile of uh, pious activities. They have chant Hare Krishna another lifetimes. They, there is, uh, in our books, explain that they, <clears throat> there is so much that was done before, and that's why we are what we are. Uh, but <clears throat> even at this point, we are still chanting offensively, among us, So we are in the clear, in the stage, uh, clearing the offenses. So, <clears throat> um, how, do you, how do you put the two together? You know, in past lives we have done, I don't know, things that are uh, unimaginable to, to be here, and here we are, and we're still in the uh, clearing stage. So, is that really possible to to get out of the clearing stage and go to higher stages in one lifetime based on what I'm saying? <coughs> or it seems like you said, <laughs> um, you know, you just keep churning the process uh, and the goal seems unattainable so far. Well, you're meant to finish up and go back home, back to Godhead in this life. There's a, uh, I think there's a series of books called TKG Memories, compiled by Sergeant Bomagas in Houston. And one of the qualities of Tamal Krishna Goswami's was purveyor of good news. So in this little excerpt, <laughs> in this in this little excerpt, 
Jamal Krishna Goswami came and he, he announced to the devotees, uh, you know, guess what, Prabhus? Srila Prabhupada said that Krishna wants us to go back home, back to Godhead in this very lifetime. And he said that, that Krishna will even extend the duration of our life beyond what it was meant to be to give us more time so that we can finish up and go back to Godhead in this, at the end of this life. So. Evil. <laughs> <laughs> That's good news. Keep on, That's good news. Keep on keeping up, I guess. <laughs> and <clears throat> Nityananda Chandra has more good news. <laughs> Prasad. Prasad. Prasad means mercy. It is food that has been prepared with love and devotion to Krishna and offered. To Krishna with love and devotion, Krishna has accepted it, and now it's coming back to us in the form of prasad, which means mercy. We have a picture of the day. We'll show everyone. It's a it's a picture of different addicts, uh, those addicted to alcohol before and after, heroin before and after cocaine before and after, and so there's prasada before and after. It's like, <laughs> I don't want the, the, everybody looks miserable in the after picture, except for the guy with the prasada, he's got a big, big smile. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so that's the theory, now we'll, we'll put it in practice. <laughs> So, yeah, I'll be uh, uh, available if anyone wants to talk. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna.